We're sorry. All of our representatives are still assisting other customers. Please remain on the line as we value your call. We've all been there, waiting to talk to customer service on hold. It's like this shared human experience that seems to have transcended generations of phone users. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that calling a business now isn't that much different to how it was 60 or 70 years ago. And while that may be true, it still involves a phone and calling a number. But phone support and the tech behind it has actually been evolving, albeit quietly in the background while you were on hold. Hello? Oh, hello? Who's calling? Well, what number is this? Well, what number are you calling? Well, I'm calling your number. Today on Inside Intercom, we're dialing in for an episode all about the evolution of phone support, an evolution that Intercom is part of. We just launched Intercom Switch. The clue's in the name. Welcome to Intercom Switch, the new way to take your customers from on hold to messaging in seconds. Ready to see how it works? Press 1 on your dial pad now. Great. Next, you'll get a text message with a link in it. Just tap that link to move this conversation into the Intercom Messenger. Chat soon. It's as easy as that. Reduce wait times by giving your customers the choice to switch to messaging mid-call so they can say goodbye to sitting on hold. A little later on, we're going to talk to Tanner Elvich, the Senior Product Manager on Switch, But we couldn't do the evolution of phone support without starting with the invention of the telephone. If anyone asked you who invented the telephone, you'd say Alexander Graham Bell, right? Here's a recording of Bell from 1885 from a disc in the Smithsonian. Hear my voice, he says. Well, in the 1870s, Bell and a man named Elisha Gray both independently designed inventions that allowed people to transmit speech electrically. They even both submitted their designs to the patent office within hours of each other. But Bell's was the first to be patented, and a famous legal battle ensued over who was the rightful inventor of the telephone, with Bell being the eventual winner. But even to this day, some people have their doubts. And it wasn't just those two laying claims. An Italian immigrant named Antonio Mucci filed an announcement of his similar invention in 1871. He was totally overlooked until the United States House of Representatives passed a resolution in 2002 honouring his contributions and work to the telephone. And even though telephone's origin story isn't exactly clear, its impact on the world has been immeasurable transforming all sorts of lines of communication, one of them being how businesses can help their customers. The first example of the telephone being used as a marketing tool is in the early 1900s. Companies would use phone directories to compile and sell client lists. By 1915, the first coast-to-coast telephone call was placed, and by 1930, it was possible to phone across the Atlantic by radio. When it's necessary to signal the operator, do it this way. A definite rhythm. If you pump up and down impatiently like this, about the only thing you're likely to get is high blood pressure. (laughs) 
Phone technology slowly crept across America, creating a communications infrastructure. But it required people manning switchboards at high cost, and as such was only available to a small portion of the population. That is, until the introduction of consumer long-distance dialing in 1951. They're going to take out all our phones and put in them kind with dials on them. Oh, Grant, that's yummy. Does it sound soon? A few weeks, I guess. As soon as a man gets used to one thing, by golly, somebody wants to take it away from him. Suddenly, it became possible for telephone customers to operate this complex communication system by themselves, without the assistance of others. What you might call the first call center agents were housewives in the 50s. They'd call up friends and neighbors and try to sell baked goods to bring extra money into the household. Oh, is that you, Myrtle? Yes, who's that, Hortense? Yes, this is Hortense. Oh, hello. Hello. Businesses began to get phone-wise and trained their employees on how to be courteous on the line. But no matter whose phone you're answering, your own or anybody else's, always make your customer feel that you're interested in his call. Be obliging and polite. Then when you're sure he's finished, bring the conversation to a definite, courteous close, like this. Yes, that's fine. Thanks for calling, Mr. Frisbee. Goodbye. By the 1960s, more sophisticated dialing technology had arrived and would start to shape phone support as we know it today. Touchtone dialing was a really big one. That's Ernie Smith. I'm a writer and editor. I run a newsletter called Tedium, the Dull Side of the Internet. Even though the first touchtone dialing came about in the 60s, Ernie says rotary dialing was still pretty common into the 1980s. It took a couple of decades to become common. Things that like we don't even think about becoming common over time that seem like they just appeared one day. A good example is like the credit card. The magnetic strip did not appear until the 80s. Before that, everything was done manually. Rotary phones are very much the same thing. <laughs> More and more of the things we just kind of take for granted when it comes to phones began to develop and advance. Ernie says there were five key technologies that made phone-based customer support possible. The first was, as we heard, touch-tone dialing. It made it possible to communicate through the telephone line without speaking. The second was 1-800 numbers. Which were actually invented by AT&T. Roy Weber developed them in 1967 as a way to route collect calls. And it turned out sort of as a happy accident that it was actually a really great way to market products. The charge of a 1-800 number went to the owner of the number. So now customers didn't have to pay to call a business for support. This actually turned out to be a pretty big cash cow for AT&T. By the mid 80s, people were making 3 billion toll-free calls per year, which it's a lot. <laughs> the next key tech in the evolution of phone support was something called private branch exchanges. They were essentially mini switchboards that allowed businesses to route phone calls. One of the interesting things to, to consider is that the phone system basically grew from being this big monolith operated by effective monopolies like AT&T the US. So businesses having these miniature switchboards kind of democratized the whole process. 
you were running your own little system where you could route where the calls go. This is obviously a great thing in the case of a call center when you have hundreds of people like on the floor trying to serve customers. And this would basically route whatever call came into a customer support person. It basically enabled call centers by allowing a more automated system and and keeping it something that (laughs) didn't require phone companies to manage. (laughs) The 1970s came with bell bottoms, tie-dye shirts, and a new tech that we still use today in phone support, interactive voice responses. This was first used by banks to verify customer balances. For your account balance, please press 1. You know, you didn't have to go to the bank or like wait in the mail for like a sign of, okay, here's what's in your account. It became much more intelligent over time. In its most sophisticated forms, it can even analyze the the journey that the customer is making in real time. It's kind of like one of those choose your own adventure books. Yeah, choose your own adventure is a great way to put it. Just, (laughs) I'm just thinking about like, how how in many ways dialing into a call center is, is, is sort of like playing like an old text-based adventure game or a game like Myst where, where, where like you're given a set of options and you have to like hit one. In, in the best versions of that, it can be a very solid experience, but in the worst versions, it feels like the game's broken. <laughs> Arguably, the biggest advance for the telephone was to cut the cord and go mobile. The technology development for that to happen started out quite early. In 1946, Motorola had the first car radio telephone service, but it was very limited and it wasn't available to the commercial market. It really wasn't until the 80s that car phone kind of became popular. That's Cornelia Connolly, a lecturer in the School of Education in the National University of Ireland, Galway. My background's in computer engineering and telecommunications. I I studied that as part of my master's. And you might be wondering, if we had mobile car phones in the 40s, even with their limited capacity, what took so long for that tech to advance? Bell Laboratories proposed cellular mobile technology to the FCC. That was the Federal Communications Commission in the U.S. But it wasn't granted then. That was in 1947 because of the influence of the television industry, which is really interesting. The TV bigwigs didn't want any interference with or to share their allocation of frequency. And it wasn't until 1970 that the FCC actually granted parts of the spectrum for mobile telephones. Uh, it's interesting, too, because it was like in the in the 60s for any Star Trek fans, Captain Kirk used a cordless communicator and so it was like maybe 10 years later that we, as the public, got to use mobile phones. Right now, businessmen and women are major users of radio telephones where cellular is in service. But more people will take advantage of cellular as its benefits become apparent. Eventually, seeing people using cellular phones may seem as commonplace as someone checking time on an electronic watch, figuring on an electronic calculator, or programming on an electronic computer. By the 1980s, there were around 1 million subscribers to mobile phones. But now there's like up to 4 billion smartphone users. This brings us to Ernie's fifth key technology that made phone-based customer support possible, the humble SMS. This actually is the most recent of the primary phone-based technologies. It dates to the 90s. 
the way that SMS has worked really well is it started out as sort of a broadcast technology for ours, like the customer support experience goes. Like you can, you know, in the case of uh, political campaigns, for example, like if you're trying to like reach like a broad audience and you have your list, you know, you send, you send out messages like, hey, like, you know, support your candidate, you know, like fundraising and such. But I, I think that that's one of the areas that's obviously gotten more sophisticated over time. And it, it's been really fascinating to sort of see like, okay, this is, this is where we started with it. Now you can have like more direct one-to-one like customer support, like conversations with people completely over text. So that's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> we certainly know all about helping customers via messaging here at Intercom. One thing that we all associate with phone support that hasn't seemed to have evolved a huge amount is the dreaded on hold music. Ah, make it stop. There is one person, though, who has upped on hold music's game. Well, I'm so glad you reached out, yeah. Paul Schuler is a musician and IT professional in the Seattle area of Washington State. And a while back, a piece of music he created was hailed as the greatest on-hold music in the world. I was actually in support, phone support at that time, so I'm not any longer. So yes, it's been an interesting progression. Early on, Paul got interested in music and uploading music to the Internet Archive. I was doing this as a sort of a hobby at the time. I had um, started as a drummer in high school playing in rock bands and punk bands and stuff like that. And then I I went to a uh, vocational school and started to learn about electrical engineering and computers. And this was 1997, 98. I got a job right out of there in an electrical engineering facility, started learning about computers and signal flow and just really got interested in building my own computers. And then I found, wow, I can really combine my love for music and record and and start to experiment with sound on a computer. It was sort of a new thing at the time. After lots of what Paul calls sound experiments that turned into music, he grew more empowered to just record himself. So that's basically the concept that led me to recording an electrical piano or electric piano called a Wurlitzer 200A, which I had really been into, you know, getting into digital pianos and I had studied jazz and drumming. And that was basically the formation of this song that I initially created called Simplicity. At the time, one of the few places you could upload audio was the Internet Archive. So that's where he uploaded this track. At the time, I was very non-attached to the technical elements of intellectual property. I didn't even understand it really at that time. I was just had the mechanism to publish audio for free and create it myself. And so I was just doing that, you know, for fun. Right. So people were just using your music for videos or projects and whatnot. When did you discover it had been used as on hold music? (laughs) That's such a funny question because my brother, I think, contacted me several times. He was like, hey, uh, bro, I think I was on hold and I actually heard one of your songs. That song is called Simplicity. So just imagine you're on hold. You've been waiting and waiting, but this track comes on. Seriously, how chill is this? (laughs) 
So he texted me about it. And, uh, and then I started digging a little deeper and lo and behold, I found out, okay, this is being used in an open source software called Asterisk. And they basically threw in a couple of my songs that they had got from internet, the internet archive. Why do you think it works so well as on hold music? I think it's because it's kind of repetitive. Like I said, it's loop based on the keyboard elements. And then I'm just sort of improvising on the drum set. And it's not like I did a really high quality recording. It's it's just one microphone placed over the drum set. I think it's just got a, a sort of authentic and sort of organic vibe to it. And people just realize this okay this isn't canned music this isn't something that's just fake it's it's something that somebody actually created you know and you used to work in tech support over the phone i did so i've spent many an hour on hold and actually listening to my own hold music while trying to help someone were you ever tempted to tell them, like, hey, I made this music you're listening to? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I generally, they were already pissed off, so I didn't, you know, I basically just tried to help them with their issue. So that kind of brings us right up to now and to the latest innovation in phone support. It's a new product from Intercom. It's called Switch. And as the name implies, it allows customers to easily switch from phone support to messaging mid-call. Here's senior product manager Tanner Elvidge. Honestly, to, to understand really why we built Switch, we've got to go back to the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Because when the world shut down, support volumes went through the roof. So teams just couldn't cope with the volume that they were getting. And in the most extreme cases, they had to completely shut off their phone lines. This was a devastating decision for these teams, right? Because they, they work every day to try and create the best customer experience that they can. But because of the volume they were getting, it was really their only option at the time. And so we asked ourselves, how can we enable them to keep their phone lines on so that their customers can still speak to a person when they need to? But while enabling those teams to, to operate at this kind of newfound, what we call internet scale, where suddenly you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of customers trying to reach you. And that's a trend that we're seeing continuing well beyond the pandemic. So that's really where, where Switch was born. And honestly, when you see Switch in action, when you use it, it feels like magic. Yeah, it is. It, it actually, like, it's a very magical feeling. You know, and I think it's something that we can all relate to, right? When you call into, you know, whatever company and you hear the ring and it says, you know, you're number 57 in the queue, wait time is an hour. You're like, oh man, like, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of stuck there on hold. And it, what Switch really is, is, you know, you, you'll now hear this option where you can wait on hold for 57 minutes or whatever it may be or you could press two to switch to messaging right away. And if you press two at that point, you would immediately get a message 
that brings you into the messenger. And so you can just type your question or your problem that you're experiencing and go about your day. And the team will get back to you when they can. And you're not sitting on hold. You're not holding your phone. You'll, you'll just get a notification when the team responds and you can get back to it whenever you need to. Aren't you going to miss hold music, Tanner? <laughs> um, maybe. I'm like, maybe the first five minutes of hold music I'll miss. But after that, you can only really sing along for so long. Ultimately, Switch is there to enable businesses to offer a good experience across multiple channels. And actually, a good way to look at how it does this is through the lens of support reps. If you're a support rep, you know, your job is to just answer customer questions like day in and day out, try to resolve their issue and give them a great experience. And those questions could be coming in from the phone or over chat or over email, like whatever channels you're operating. And as a support rep, you can really only answer so many of those questions at a given time. And so if we think about the old world where maybe they're answering the phone all day, every day, and maybe they're answering the same repetitive question, you know, 10, 20 times, Switch actually frees them up from answering those questions over and over again, because those customers will be able to switch over to chat and maybe get an answer automatically and resolve their question. And so it frees the rep up to spend their time where they're most valuable. What do you think the early inventors involved with the phone and phone support would make of its evolution? <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I think they would be shocked at how little it's changed. Part of me hopes that would be a really humbling experience, right? Because it's like, wow, we, we really made this technology that's still being used and still at the center of human communication and the, and the customer support industry. But at the same time, if you, if you kind of zoom out and look at, at other trends and, and technological evolution, phone actually hasn't kept pace. In, in some ways, you know, like a parallel that I like to draw is when you think about personal computing, right? That's an industry that's been around a lot less than phone, but has seen a lot more change. And particularly when we think about like the ways that we compute. So back in the early days, it was desktop, right? Like that was the first thing that we had and we were all using it. And then we introduced laptops, but desktops didn't go away. And we still kind of use desktops for some things, laptops for others. Fast forward to today where we have mobile phones and tablets and wearables and, you know, soon maybe we'll have AR goggles or, you know, whatever. All of these new things, desktop hasn't died, it's still around, but it's become a lot more specialized. So now desktops are doing the things that desktops are uniquely good at, which is compute power. You know, so things like big data processing or gaming, all of this stuff is happening on desktop. But we spend most of our time actually on our mobile devices or our laptops. If we think of phone as kind of the, the desktop equivalent, like phone is the OG kind of communication channel out there, it really hasn't evolved in that same way. So we, you know, phone was introduced and then email and now messaging, and messaging is kind of the predominant way that we communicate in our personal lives today. But we still pick up the phone and ring a business like we used to, you know, 50, 80, 100 years ago. And I, I think that's surprising. And I think when we project that out, what we see in the future of phone is that it becomes a bit more specialized, just like the desktop did. So I think that we'll see phone being introduced in more of the situations that it's needed and become less of the default option. We're hoping Switch accelerates some of that change. Awesome. Thanks, Tanner. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate it. 
stay with us. In just a moment, Tanner is going to reveal his worst customer phone support moment. But first, my thanks to Ernie Smith. His internet history newsletter is called Tedium, the dull side of the internet. But believe me, it is anything but. You'll find that at tedium.co. Also, thanks to lecturer Cornelia Connolly. You'll find her on Twitter at Cornelia Thinks. If that chill on hold music is still in your brain as it is mine, you can check out more of Paul Schuler's great music at his site, macroformmusic.com. And of course, if you want to find out more about Switch and what it can do to transform your customer support team, check out intercom.com forward slash switch. The link is in the show notes. And finally, thanks to Intercom Senior Product Manager Tanner Elvidge, who shared a recent phone support horror story with me. I actually had a flight booked to go home and visit some family over the holidays. I mean, travel is still just not back up to, to speed, right? Like there's still tons of disruptions and changes happening all the time. And I got this like cryptic email from them that said, hey, your itinerary has been changed. Give us a call to fix it. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called and the wait time, and at least they told me up front, but it was three hours and 45 minutes. Ooh. And I hung up. I was like, no way. Like, there's, there's got to be a way to resolve this on the website or in their app. And I, I'm intentionally not naming names here, by the way. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually I was like, okay, there's no other way to do this. And so I carved out like some time on a Sunday just to call them. And three hours into hold time, the call dropped. Oh, no. Yeah, it was brutal. Like, I, it, it was bad. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I ended up just being like, you know what? I'm just going to show up to the airport early and do it in person because that's the only way that I am going to get through, <laughs> uh, which was a gamble. And it actually, it was kind of stressful, um, you know, on top of all of the travel that I had to do. It was like, okay, great. Now I have to figure out if I even have the itinerary that I need. A cautionary tale of the need for Switch if ever there was one. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. 